1: Luke chapter 3, we're going to start Luke chapter 3 tonight. In our last day's survival guide study together, we are talking about on fire for God. Number one on your notes, New Testament Christians are to be filled with the Holy Spirit and fire. Number one on your notes, New Testament Christians are to be are to be filled with the Holy Spirit and fire. God wants us filled with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Luke chapter 3 talks about this. The apostle John, John himself, John the Baptist, I should say, he is one who, who by the Holy Spirit recognized this and decreed this about Jesus, our Savior, our Deliverer. In Luke chapter 3, Luke chapter 3, verse 15, Now as the people were in expectation, what were they? Expectation. they all reason in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not. Some still thought, man, is this really maybe the, the Christ, the anointed one or not? Of course, John said, no, I'm not him. And he decrees it again here, but they really, some didn't know. Verse 16, so John answers them, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water. Say, that's good. What is water baptism about? Again, a water baptism is all about you and I committing... Our life to live out the inside change that's happened in us on the outside. That we are going to, as we've been talking about, renew our mind and walk in the light of this new man. That water baptism is an actual example of what? A watery grave. Going under that water, that old man's left behind, coming up anew. So here it says again, John said, I indeed baptize you with water, but. One mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. Underline it. He will baptize you with two things, the Holy Spirit and fire. Not just the Holy Spirit. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with what? Fire. So sometimes people kind of combine the two, but in truth, they actually do have a difference to them. He will immerse us or baptize us. The word baptize means to immerse, to immerse. How many understand the initial aspect of what we talk about called the baptism in the Holy Spirit? There's three aspects of what you and I are to walk out as a child of God. Born again, water baptized, baptized in the Holy Spirit. But he's also going to baptize us in what? Fire. Fire. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, through an actual fire of God, God is a consuming fire. He can do a work in us to keep us cleansed, to keep us hot for God and to truly keep us as a burning light to the world. So realize Jesus is the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit and fire. So again, I'm sure most of you know this, but there might be some watching or some here may not, but this is a whole separate experience from salvation. Water baptism, you don't do it by sprinkling. Baptism means to be immersed under water. Water baptism, the same then therefore as the Holy Spirit baptism, You do what? You get immersed in the Holy Spirit. So when you get born again, what happens? Holy Spirit comes and he gets poured out in you. But what you want to learn is to do what? Yield to him and let him what? Get all on top of you so that you are immersed in the presence of the Holy Spirit. All you have to do if you've never received it before is ask Jesus to do what he promised in the word to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. And the evidence of that, of course, is speaking in tongues. Why? Why is the evidence speaking in tongues? Because primarily what controls your tongue? Your brain does, right? So your mental capacity controls what comes out of your mouth. But when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, your spirit now has the ability, by getting words from the Holy Spirit, to speak in a heavenly language. When you speak in a heavenly language, is it coming through your mouth? Is it coming through your mouth? It is. It's coming through your mouth. But is it coming out of your brain? It is not. Your spirit's now praying so what you've learned to do is yield to the Holy Spirit inside you by the words he gives your spirit to speak those words. So number 1 on your notes there, 1A, many people talk about the Holy Spirit and power, but few talk about the fire. Think about that. A lot of people talk about the Holy Spirit and power, rightfully so, but few talk about what? They few talk about this baptism in fire. This fire that we are told we will be baptized in by Jesus. B, the Bible refers to four kinds of fire, four different types of fire. One, natural fire. Two, hell fire, Say, so ain't going there. A little, little more convincing. Three, fire and brimstone. And then four, Holy Spirit fire. So this is more of a zeal or a fervency for God. You can be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, Understanding the power of God and still not be zealous or fervent for God. So there is a difference. There's people baptized in the Holy Spirit today have had this experience who can pray in tongues. But guess what they're not baptized in? The fire of God. They're not walking in a zeal for God. They're not walking in a fervency for God. Matter of fact, a lot of them have cooled off. They're still baptized in the Holy Spirit. They could pray in tongues anytime they wanted to. But that's different than being what? Baptized with fire. Fire. Baptized in this zeal or fervency for God. Because that's the reference here actually given in the Greek language. One C on your notes. It's this holy fire. Sorry for the typo. It's not a hoi fire, H-O-I. Holy, missed it. It's this holy fire, watch this, that cleanses and purifies like a refiner's fire. Think about that. When you're on fire for God, guess what is difficult for any aspect of the enemy to take advantage of in your life? Sin, because it's kind of like the old saying Brother Hagin used to say, I, of course, who knows who it originally came from, you know, I guarantee if you stay on fire for God, it's like a hot stove. Flies don't land on hot stoves. You ever seen a fly land on a hot stove? Why are we talking about flies? Who's the father of flies? Satan is. You stay hot for God, it's difficult for Satan to get anything on you. Because you're so hot for God, guess what? The fire of God just burned it off. Anything he tries to put you in bondage under, the fire of God just burned it off. One of the things for a lot of Christians they don't realize or understand is if they'd really get on fire for God, some of the stuff they're dealing with would go away. Fire of God would change it. Fire of God would just burn it off of their life just like chaff, but understand the refiner's fire. So refiner's fire, what's a refiner's fire? Well, if you take any kind of a actual valuable metal like gold or silver, if you take anything like that, you know, drug up from the ground, how many know it's got impurities in it? So what they got to do is they got to now put it under a fire and turn it into a liquid. What happens when you do that? All the dross, the junk, all the impurities, you know, float to the top. And what do they do? Then they skin that off and now you have pure gold, right? Or pure silver with no actual dross in it. Well, guess what? God's fire will do the same for you. That's right. Amen. I said God's fire will do the same for you. If you'll, if you'll allow Jesus to keep you immersed in this holy fire of God, guess what will happen? All the dross in your life, all the junk stuff that obviously can hinder you and walking with God, it'll come to the surface and God will obviously wipe it away and you'll be walking in a purity for God, Amen. a true devotion for God. A heart to be able to want to serve God and walk with God all the days of your life. Amen? Amen. I think it's worth understanding what this fire is about. What about you? Say this. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire fire. are two two different things. Again, right here in verse 16. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And fire. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. I guarantee you, we're going to cover this in none of these classes. As if you went through them, uh, you know, during the time of SMTI, if you go through these classes, Pastor will tell you very clearly. You know, you could spend weeks and weeks and weeks on just one of these topics. So this is like an overview of something that gives you a basic understanding of what the topic's about. In any of these areas that you feel you would obviously need to actually go further in to help you out, then you should do further study. You should take the notes you have, look up other verses, and even go further. But I promise you this, one thing for sure we want to do, we want to stay on fire for God because of the fact that the return of the Lord is imminent. I like something Pastor said the other day, Pastor Barclay. We were I was listening to him the other day at his church on a Thursday night service. He said, you know, I'm sorry, actually it was during HELPS conference. He said, you know, one of the things that a lot of Christians don't realize, everything the Bible prophesied in the earth that would have to be done before the return of the Lord has already happened. Do you realize that? Every end time prophecy of what would happen for for, uh, countries to align to align up for the last day for Armageddon, for all the aspects of leaders to align, what we're talking about. You know, Kathy asked me this the other day because she didn't understand. She said, explain this Bitcoin thing to me more. What is is Bitcoin about? I said, it's all part of the last day's work of Satan. It's to bring about a one-money government-ruled money system because if they can control it, they can control you. And I said, the reality is there's no true value to it other than what man puts on it. But you know what? Pull the money out of your pocket. There's no true value on that except what man puts on it. It's the same thing to some degree. And I understand there's commodities and trading all that. But I'm just explaining the fact that you got to understand what the devil's going to do. He's going to try to bring us all down into a one world, one government, one money system. Well, that's going to happen to digital currency. How many of you see companies pulling away more and more from just basic regular currency like you give them money every day. I mean, there are some places now even refusing to take it. I know a business in Denton. I mean, I know of an actual cookie store in Denton. They will not take any form of cash at all. You walk in the door with cash, sorry, we won't sell to you. They'll only take digital currency. Well, A lot of people are going this way. I'll guarantee you why, because this is a part of what Satan literally has set up for the last days of a fulfillment of scripture, of everything coming down to a one money system. Now, some people would say, is it wrong to use debit cards and stuff like that? I'm going to tell you to some degree, no. At the same time, to sit here and think that you're not going to use them in today's times, even as a ministry, would be next to almost impossible. Why? Because you can't, you, can't, you can't walk in an airport and pay for a plane ticket with cash. They're not going to take it. You listening you're gonna have to pay by debit card credit card or whatever so it doesn't mean if we're involved with some of this that we're wrong i'm just telling you everything that needs to happen one world government or to be informed already happening in context of where switzerland's at and all these governments that are already meeting a lot of them you don't know about none of the news is reporting it you have to dig behind the scenes to realize this is already going on these governor, govern, governing leaders have already met multiple times and it's, you know, we hear it this way. I mean, constantly you hear this statement from other people. And I mean, you have heard this about the quote-unquote quote reset, the great reset, right? Great reset of governments, great reset of the world. This is Satan. This is the, the reset is to get everything set up the way he wants it for the Antichrist to rule. So it's already happened. I mean, all this stuff is going on in relationship to the last days. So all the more the reason we need to stay on fire for God. Amen. Yeah. Number two, many times... Many times when we say we're fired up in God, what we really actually mean is we're what? We're zealous. We have a great zeal for God. Zeal is so powerful when you understand it in the context of a heart desire, heart passion, heart motivated passion to go after something that nothing will stop you. Jesus went in, I remember this, before he actually was crucified, at one time he goes down into, into Jerusalem, he goes into the actual synagogue, and the Bible says that he literally turned over the tables of the money changers. Uh-huh. This happened in church. Right. Yeah. He, he, he built a whip of cords, and all these money changers in the temple, what were they actually doing? They were actually taking money that they had, Of those that traveled once a year to come to actually offer their offerings during the Passover, and they couldn't bring animals, obviously they had to bring their money to these money changers. These money changers would take their money and give them an animal because they had to have an animal sacrifice. But they were obviously taking advantage of them, charging them way more than they should have. And not only that, guess where they were doing it? In the temple, inside the temple. God's house is a house of merchandise? No, it's a house of prayer. It's not a place to come sell your wares and make money and take advantage of people. But that's what they were doing. And that's what made him so mad. This wasn't about connecting with God anymore. This was about me making a buck. This is about me making money off of the other people that were coming to have to offer their sacrifices to God. So he makes us whip of cords and he drives them all out. Turns, he literally knocks their tables over. Money going everywhere. And he, dri- and he didn't give them time to pick it up. He just drives them out with a whip of cords. Now, do you know why? You know why he did that? I said, you know why he did that? Scripture tells you right after that. And the disciples remembered what the Old Testament actually prophesied about him. The zeal for God's house has eaten me up. He was so zealous for God, so passionate about keeping God's house right and pure. Come on, that it caused him to drive people out. See, this is why we don't compromise in the house of God. This is why we don't compromise in what we do as a church in relationship to the actual church setting and what we do here in church. We're not going to allow that to happen because guess what God's house is for? Connecting with Him. It's all about walking with God. Amen? So notice this in Psalm 119, verse 137. Psalm 119, verse 137. Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. How many of you would agree with that? Righteous are you, Lord, and white oh, righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. 138 Your testimonies. Now, where do we find his testimonies in the word of God? His testimonies referring to what he says, what he testifies of in the word of God. Your testimonies which you have commanded, they are what they're righteous and very faithful. So another way to say verse 138 is to say your word, Lord, your word is what? Your word, which you have commanded, is righteous and very faithful. Look at verse 139. My zeal has consumed me. Consume me, overtaken me. My zeal has consumed me because my enemies have forgotten your words. Look at this, 140. Your word is very pure, therefore your servant, what? loves it because this quote-unquote context of this psalm here was saying, I have such a zeal in me that it's consumed me. Therefore, your word is what? Your word is pure to me. It is absolutely vital to my life. And I love your word. If you have a zeal for God, guess what you have a love for? The word of God. Word of God. So all through this, he's talking about his testimonies, what he speaks of, what he commands in the Word of God. And he was consumed and zealous for his God and therefore in love, not only with his God, but in love with his Word. Number two on your notes 2a, one who is zealous for God loves what? Loves what? Loves Why does he love his Word? Because his Word is what? Pure. Pure. So again, see, it's already been refined. His word is pure, and therefore one who is zealous for God, who is now what? Become pure themselves, loves God's word because God's word is pure. Jesus even said it one time this way. He said, you know, he said, those who love darkness rather than the light don't like the light. When the light shone up, Jesus, all those who love darkness, all those who love darkness, they shy away from the light because their deeds are evil. Now, I mean, you know, everybody's deeds were evil in that day because they were all sinners, Right? But he just said those who love darkness. But what if you didn't love darkness? What if you love God? What if you love the light? You didn't run from it. You didn't run from it. If If you're zealous for God, you don't run from God's word. You don't run from God's word. You love God's word. You accept all that God's word has to say. Because if you're zealous for him, you're zealous for his word. Because his word is pure and it helps you to be pure. I mentioned this this morning, and I'm going to talk about it next Sunday morning again. You've got to understand that you and I need to realize that if we choose and get selective about what we want to obey in the Word of God what we don't want to obey, your believing is going to be selective. You've got to accept all of what the Word of God says. Now, I guarantee you what, man, I had somebody actually, as I made that statement to him, say, well, not everything in the Word is easy to do. Nobody said it was. Nobody said it was easy. Your flesh don't like it. When people say, oh, no, it's easy to do the Word. Okay, uh, I hear you saying that, but you know what? What about when you actually have an enemy that's come against you and the Bible says love them? Tell me how easy it is. Come on, tell me how easy that is. Oh, it's easy. No, it ain't. Your flesh don't want to love them. Your flesh wants to punch back. Your flesh wants to retaliate. Are you listening? But see, you can't get selective in your obedience to the Word because it's going to cause you to lose a fire for God you got to be zealous for all of His Word because you're zealous for God. Amen. To be, the purity of His Word will therefore do what? What will it do? Purify. It'll purify us because His Word's pure. If we have a zeal or a zeal, zealous desire for our God, therefore we're zealous for His Word. That Word will help purify us. It's what helps cleanse our life. And I'm glad about that, aren't you? Go to Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. Really all Psalm 119 is saying is, If you're zealous for God, it'll show up in what? It'll show up in your zeal for the Word. If you're not zealous for God, you're probably not going to be zealous for His Word because His Word is pure, and therefore His Word will help purify you and make you a stronger believer. Realize that you and I, as a believer on the inside, born again, are made whole and pure as a spirit being, but we still want to be obviously having that purifying effect working through our life As we talked about this morning in renewing our minds to the word. And the more we allow that word to work in us, the more that that word will help to do what? Get the dross out of our life with the work of the Holy Spirit and get it removed from our life. All dross is going to do is hinder you from walking in what God has for your life. So zeal helps get rid of that, praise God. Jeremiah 23, if you're there, say amen. amen. Jeremiah 23, we're going to look at verses 28 and 29. Number three on your notes, the word of God is like a fire. Say like, like, like a fire. Like fire. Notice this, the word of God is like a fire. It will cause a forest fire in your heart, purifying and burning. Another typo, another typo. Pastor's not doing too good on his proofreading. Purifying and not burring, burning, burning <laughs> off the chaff. I got some... Fixing up work to do on my notes this week. The Word of God is like a fire. It will cause a forest fire in your heart, purifying and burning off the chaff. The Word of God is fuel to your spirit man. The Word of God is fuel fuel to your spirit man. You can say it multiple ways. The Word of God is food to your spirit man. But it's also a fuel to your spirit man. You want to get on fire for God? I'll tell you what, start filling up on the Word of God and it'll help you have a greater zeal for God. Jeremiah... 23, 28, the prophet who has a dream, let him tell a dream. He who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, says the Lord? 29, Kathy mentioned this the other week when we were talking about our renewing series. Is not my word like a... Come on, is not my word like a... So if I want to be on fire for the Lord, how many have seen a connection with the word of God here? Amen. Amen. If I have a zeal for the Lord, I have a zeal for his word. But if I have a zeal for the word, I will have a zeal for the Lord. Notice again, is not my word like a fire, says the Lord. Listen to this. And like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. So in our renewing series, what are we talking about the word as it relates to me and you? What are we primarily looking at when we're renewing our minds? What are we looking at? The new image the image of Christ, that picture of who we become. And when you see that, the Word goes to work helping you to break down, come on, to deconstruct, to get rid of all the wrong thinking that's hindered you in walking out who God wants you to be, who God's made you to be. Amen? We'll talk more more about next Sunday about how to see that Word work in your life. We touched on one of the other keys this morning, which is doing what? Receiving the Word with meekness. If you don't receive the word with meekness, it can't do its work in your life. That's right. What's meekness mean again? So let's just real quick review that. Meekness means I don't view myself higher than the word, but I don't view myself lower than the word. It doesn't exalt myself above God, what God says I'm, I am. doesn't belittle myself. Most Christians don't exalt themselves above God. Far too many belittle themselves. By words they speak about themselves. If you call yourself, quote, unquote, a failure, a nobody oh man, here we go again, I, I keep doing this, I just can't seem to change, on and on and on. That's not what the Bible says, the Bible says you have been changed. Yeah. So the problem is you're going by the old outward nature instead of what God says. Right. To receive the word of God with meekness for it to do its work in us, fire and a hammer, means what? I accept it for what it says. Yeah. Now I barely got to touch on that this morning, but let me just add back to that, because this is something you've got to remember. If I receive the Word of God with meekness, what am I doing? One, I'm accepting everything the Word says about me. I don't care what my brain says. I don't care what my family says. I don't care what my past history says. I don't care what my teachers may have said. I don't care what any friends I may have had said. I don't care what anybody else on Facebook says about me. Come on, I don't care. All I'm going to do is take God at His Word. If this is who God said I am, I'm going to receive it. I'm going to accept it as a fact because it is. Number two, I'm also going to acknowledge the Word of God because it's truth. I will not argue with it. I will not try to reason it out. I don't care how hard it may seem to be at times to apply to my life. I'm going to apply it. I'm going to put it in application to my life. Because James 1 goes on to say that you've got to be a doer of the Word. So for me to receive it with meekness, I've got to accept everything it says about me. No arguments. Say no arguments. No arguments. What got the disciples in trouble with Jesus over and over again? You know, a lot of people, you know, they just think, oh, Jesus, he's this loving, sweet guy. You pass this today or not. Well, I guarantee you what? If Jesus loves you, he will tell you the truth. And how many times did Jesus look at his disciples and say, how long must I be with you? He said it over and over and over again. Not demeaning. He was trying to say, how can you not get this point yet? Then he would almost all the time say, why are you reasoning among yourselves? See, you cannot allow your reasoning, when it comes to the Word of God, reasoning gets, get, gets thrown out the window. That's right. Now, I didn't say get rid of reasoning in your life. You listening? Yeah, right. If you're standing on the edge of the cliff, guess what reasoning tells you? Don't take another step. Right. Right. I'd obey that reasoning. Right? Yep. right. Amen. right? Amen. Seriously, I would obey that reasoning. How many would not take another step, walk off the cliff? That wouldn't be smart, would it? Right. So there's, there's a purpose to obviously acknowledge your reasoning as it comes to basic common sense of things you need to do. But when it comes to the Word, say when it comes to the Word. When it comes to the Word, reasoning needs to be gotten rid of. You're not trying to reason out who you are. You're not trying to reason out what the Bible says you should or shouldn't do. If the Bible said this is who you are, this is what you do, guess what? Reasoning has left the building. Reasoning has left the building. That's who I am. People will say, well, that, you know, Brother Hagin, man, when he got born again on his deathbed, got raised up off that deathbed, he would walk to school and he would tell everybody that would even give him two, you know, moments of time around him walking down the street. He would tell everybody, I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. What's he doing? He's saying what God says about him. He's acknowledging and claiming what God says about him. I'm a new creation. And you know what that would do? People would say, what do you mean by that? It's all they needed. Because the moment they said, what do you mean by that? He'd preach to them. He'd talk about salvation. He'd tell them what happened. Tell them how he got born again. He said, next thing you know, I'm standing on the street corner, man. 10, 15 people around me preaching to him. All off of one question. What's a new creation? What is a new creation? But see, he acknowledged no reasoning. He acknowledged what God said about him. When his old buddies came back and tried to get him to recognize all the stuff he done, had done before he got born again, because he he didn't do some really good stuff with these. He could break any kind of lock, break into any kind of lock. So I don't know why, but I just could, didn't matter what it was. He so said, my buddies would always use me to go downtown in Gainesville. Go downtown, go down to this little corner store downtown, and, and went after hours, they'd have me pick the lock. They'd run under still a bunch of candy and bring it out, we'd all split it. So after he got born again, they said, well, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't you remember when we went down? No, no. What do you mean you don't remember? No, I don't. What do you mean you don't? Come on, you were there. No, I wasn't there. That's right. Well, what do you mean? No, the new me wasn't there. That was an old guy. He's dead. He's not lying. That's right. That spirit died. That's right. I said that spirit. See, that our reasoning says, oh, come on, he was there. No, he wasn't. That spirit died. The Bible says you're a new creation, something that never existed. See, reasoning wants to try to reason out, well, that can't be true. He was actually there. Well, his soul was there. His body was there. But the real him, his spirit man was there but is no longer alive. Therefore, he can say, nope, that wasn't me that was down there. Oh, no, it was you. No, I died. No, we know you you had all this illness and stuff and almost died. But you're alive. Look at you. No, you don't understand. I died. I'm a new creation. See, reasoning goes out the window when it comes to the Bible if you receive the word of God with meekness. When you receive it with meekness, guess what it becomes in you? A fire. Come on. And a hammer. Right? Amen. All you Chip Gain fans, becomes a hammer. <laughs> I remember I showed you a video. He, he, he did a video one time, a uh, relationship to tearing out. No, actually, I didn't show you that part. He To tearing out a wall, you know. And he had a hammer and there was glass in behind that wall they were going to take out. And his wife said, you got to be careful. Can't use a hammer because we can't break any of the glass. He said, you can't deconstruct without a hammer. Well, guess what? You can't deconstruct without the hammer of God's Word. Come on, somebody. But it is a fire, and it is a hammer. Amen? Amen? Jeremiah 20. Back up to Jeremiah 20. Maintain a zeal for the Word. So I have a question for you. How do you maintain a zeal for the Word? Well, the Word's like a diet. Word's like a diet. The Bible describes it. Jesus describes it this way. He said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's, it's like a diet. It's like what you eat. Okay, so if your parents wanted you to eat good food when you got home for dinner, what did they tell you to do while you were gone? That might be a little different today. When I was a kid, man, seriously, when I was a kid, we got out of school, we were never in the house. Never. We were out in the neighborhood playing. Playing football, playing basketball in the summertime if we could. I mean, Montana don't have real long summer times. So, I mean, we played outdoors all the time. So we would always hear my mom, hey, come on, time for dinner, et cetera. Well, you know, you had buddies. You'd go over to their house sometimes, whenever, and they had snack stuff, Twinkies and, you know, cookies and all that kind of stuff around and everything. And mom would always tell you, if you go to his house, don't you be eating of that stuff before dinner. None of your moms ever told you that. Yes, no, maybe. You know why they told you that? Because if you fill up on all the junk stuff, when you get home, what you really need to help you to actually give you strength and help uh, your body develop and grow, guess what you won't have? You won't have a hunger for it. That's That's the Word. That's That's the Word. How do you develop a zeal for the Word? You keep feeding all the junk of the world. Your spirit doesn't obviously uh, in any time not want to have more of the Word of God. It does. But your flesh gets in the way. Mm -hmm. And you're so full of the junk of the world, and guess what? Your flesh don't want to take time to read the Bible. They don't want to take time to go further and, and develop your spirit, man in the scriptures. John 20, starve yourself of the things of the world, and you'll get hungrier for the word. John 20, verse 7, O Lord, you induced me and I was persuaded. You are stronger. I mean, I'm in Jeremiah 20. You there? Yeah. Verse 7. O Lord, you induced me and I was persuaded. You are stronger than I and have prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. This is Jeremiah talking about his day because guess what? People didn't want to hear what he had to say. I guarantee you what? You preach something long enough knowing it's the truth and people don't want to hear it. You can get depressed. You can get very defeated feeling. Why am I still doing this? Nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to apply it. Nobody wants to act upon it. Verse 8, for when I spoke, I cried out. I shouted, violence and plunder. Because the word of the Lord was made, uh, was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. So he was declaring what God was saying, but they weren't receiving it. And because they were receiving it, it was becoming a reproach to him. Why? And they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear it. Verse 9. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, God, nor speak any more in his name. So in other words, he got to the point where he said, forget it. I'm not saying what God wants me to say anymore. They don't want to hear it. Why would I keep why would I keep decreeing and saying and prophesying what God wants me to say when the children of Israel do not want to hear it? They don't want to heed it at all. So you know what? I ain't saying nothing to them anymore. But did God tell him not to say anything anymore? No. So he says in verse nine, "I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name." But his word, say his word. So Jeremiah continued to stay in the context of. Talking with God and what he had of his word. And notice this. His word was in my heart like what? What was it? Underline it. Like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back. I and I could not. You stay full of the word of God. Even though people don't want to hear it, guess what? You can't help but speak it. I said you can't help but speak it. It'll be a fire that rises up in you so strong that guess what? You will, it don't matter what people say. It don't matter what they want to hear or not. You're going to tell them anyway. You want to know why a lot of believers aren't real good witnesses today? Because they don't have this fire shut up within them. You listening? Number four, Jeremiah found out the hard way that God's word is what? It's a consuming fire shut up in the bones within the inner man. 4A, this preacher had quit preaching because he wasn't seeing the fruit and the response that he thought he should, many have, many have, many have quit because people just simply don't want to do what the word says. I know my pastor has told me time and time again, I don't need him to tell me. I'm, I'm glad he does because he's encouraging me not to stop. But I'll tell you, our pastor has told us time and time again, he said, we're pastoring in the hardest day in the New Testament times to Pastor. A lot of people thought it was hard in the time of the start of the New Testament, but not true. People gobbled up hearing the gospel. 5,000 got saved on the first preaching of the first message of the gospel. I'd love to see that. But in today's times, love of many has grown cold. Lawlessness abounding. People want preachers to tickle their itching ears. They don't want to hear the whole truth. So he keeps reminding us all the time, you cannot stop doing what God called you to do just because people don't want to seem to hear it. You're called to preach the gospel. Preach it. You're called to teach the word. Teach it. Even if they don't obey it, teach it anyway. So clearly this preacher had quit preaching because he wasn't seeing the fruit. And the response that he thought he should, for a for b he became wearied his flesh and emotions because he was what? Forbearing it, putting up with this. He finally got wearied in the natural, said, I'm not going to do it anymore. For c you don't grow weary. This is powerful. You don't grow weary from serving God. Ready? Ready? But rather from holding back and obeying God. See, there's a lot of people who could be serving God in some way or some capacity, but are they obeying God to the full of what God called them to do? He wasn't obeying He was still serving God. Was he in love with God? Yes. Was he still serving God in relationship to his personal relationship with God? Yes. But what caused him to grow weary? He stopped obeying God. He stopped doing what God told him to do. 4D, the word in Jeremiah was like a fire that kept getting hotter and hotter. Guess what? God was stoking that inner furnace. For E. finally, he couldn't do what? Couldn't hold it back any longer. And if you and I get full of the Word of God, neither will you be able to. Yeah. Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. You know, I used to see people when I was, you know, first hearing people preach and share the Word, like Coy Huffman, and even sometime initially after getting born again, and I used to see Coy, how bold he was. I say, man, I wished I had that boldness. I wish I had that. Coy will walk up to anybody, anywhere, anytime, don't matter where they're at, and start talking to them about the Lord. I've watched him do it so many times, over and over and over again. And people think, well, that's just the gift of evangelists. Well, it, burning in the evangelist's heart is the desire to win people to the Lord, no doubt. But I'm going to tell you why he's that way. Because I guarantee you, if you follow Coy on, on Facebook, guess what you see Coy in all the time? The Word of God. Guess what he's posting every day? Scripture that he's reading. Guess what he's actually teaching on every day? Scripture he's studying constantly, all the time. And when you're in the Word like that, that Word has a fire in you, man. Yeah, I guarantee you, it wants out. Amen. And you will become more bold. That's good. Amen? Yeah. Acts chapter 18. Number five, Apollos himself, one of the New Testament believers, he was an eloquent man, very capable of what we would say would be really eloquent or proper speech. And mighty in the Scriptures... And he was also what? Fervent in spirit. He was mighty in the scriptures and he was fervent in spirit. And what's amazing is he didn't know everything you know. He didn't have revelation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet. He didn't have all this teaching. I'll show you. Acts 18, 24. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man, and underline it, mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. So what scriptures he had available to him of Old Testament that revealed about Jesus that he actually had capability of knowing about. He was mighty in those scriptures. Well, how did he get mighty in those scriptures? He spent a lot of time in them. 25, notice this. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew, listen, only the baptism of John. He didn't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All he knew was, what, was about what John had talked about, about water baptism and salvation in the Lord. That's all he knew. And yet this guy was so full of the Word of God of what he knew and so zealous for God, he couldn't hold it back. Imagine, obviously, after this, they take him, and now they teach him about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Spirit. He just became that much more powerful. 5A, fervency isn't everything, but it sure does help. I said it sure does help. Boy, guess what we need to see rise up in the body of Christ in the last days? A fervency for God. 5B, this man's fire and zeal for God caused him to be a great student of the Bible. Underline it. This man's fire and zeal for God caused him to be a great student of the Bible and a great orator. And this was just from experiencing the water baptism of John. All that he had knowledge of. But yet he was so full of the Holy Spirit... And fire, in the sense of the fire of God, the zeal of God in him, that it caused him to be fervent in the Scriptures. Go to the book of Jude. Book of Jude. It is one book. Jude, verse 20. We could say chapter 1, but it's just one, cha- it's just one chapter. Jude, verse 20. Number 6 on your notes, we are instructed to do what? Build ourselves up by praying always in the Holy Ghost. We're instructed to build ourselves up by praying always in the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to add a little side note to this in just a minute. Jude chapter 1 verse 20. But you, beloved, clearly talking to believers, building yourselves up. I want you to make a note of these words right here. Right here. (laughs) Right here. Building yourselves up. Say building myself up. You're not building yourself down. You're building yourself up. You want to know the way the way to victory? Up. Not down. You get up, you're going to go to victory. You get down, you're going to go to defeat. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Spirit. What should we be doing consistently? Praying in the Holy Spirit. We're supernaturally building a fire within us. Because the truth is when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, what's being spoken? The word of God. The word of God. Well, you're hearing the word of God, even though you don't understand it with your natural man, your spirit picks up on it and it builds up your inner man. I put this in the amplified on purpose so you could see this in the amplified on your notes under number six. Jude 120, Amplified. I love this. But you beloved, build yourselves up, founded on your most holy faith. Listen to this, making progress. Making progress. Rise like an edifice. Do what? Rise. You're going up. Say, I'm going up. Rise like an edifice higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit. You think of how many people allow the littlest things in life to get them down? You know why? Because they haven't built themselves up. The reason, one of the reasons we allow stuff to get us down so easily is because we haven't built ourselves up. If we build ourselves up above those things, they can't get us down. If you, if you can let stuff in this life get you down... You're going to be defeated. Because if you get down based on stuff you see, stuff that's going on, what are you walking by? You're walking by sight. You're not walking by faith. But if you're walking by faith, you're going up. You're not going down. You're not letting stuff get you down. I said you're not letting stuff get you down. Guess what believers who know Jesus, who are filled with the Holy Ghost and the Word, will never be. I'm going to tell you what they'll never be. Depressed. Never. Their mind is set on God. They have perfect peace. They, being full of the word of God, are full of the fire of God, and therefore full of the power of God and the strength of God, because his word is living and powerful. How do you get depressed full of God? How do you get depressed overflowing with God? Not possible. I said, it's not possible. But the reason a lot that are obviously born again, yet getting down about life, I'm going to tell you why, because they're not building themselves up. God gave us the ability to build ourselves up. And one of the simplest ways is not only through the word, but also through what? Praying in the Holy Spirit. So what should we be doing every day? You want to go up or down? What should you be doing if you want to go up? Rising higher and higher. Like an edifice going up, like an edifice, like a building, somebody building, you own. Know, they add a little more, and they add a little more, and they add a little more, next thing, man, wow, that thing's getting tall. Well, that's you if you keep praying in the Holy Ghost. 6a, one of the biggest, listen, this is powerful. One of the biggest quenchers of zeal is what? The mind. And that's why praying in the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with your mind, because it's not engaging your mind, it's engaging your spirit. So if it's engaging your spirit, that's why you have such a great zeal for God because you're going directly to the source of that zeal as it relates to the very help of God, and that's the Holy Spirit. 6B, when we pray in the Spirit, what do we do there We bypass our understanding. Building ourselves up in the inner man, supernaturally. By the very power of God within us, the Holy Spirit, our, our power and strength in walking in relationship to our zeal to God becomes stronger, not weaker. And I will guarantee you, if you pray in the Holy Spirit consistently, now you understand praying the Holy Spirit is not doing something out of your head. It's truly recognizing that I'm yielding to the Holy Spirit, and my spirit is praying in this heavenly language. If that's true, you're not going to just have two words that you speak over and over and over again. God's language is vast absolutely vast and incredible and as you learn to yield to him the more you'll see that language change number seven so let's talk about this the, these are things that will stoke your inner furnace and fan the flame of your heart you ready these are things that was one person brandy that i heard things that will stoke your inner furnace and fan the flame of your heart you ready? ready was a little better seven eight number one we just read it doing what praying in the Holy Spirit. So how many think we ought to be doing this? How many want to have a stronger zeal and fire for the Lord? Yes. If that fire is at work in you, what's it also doing? What's it doing? It's what? It's getting rid of the stuff that you don't want in your life. It's keeping some of the stuff that obviously wants to weigh you down burned up and obviously removed from your life. 7-B, what's another way that you and I can stoke the center furnace? Preaching the gospel. I'm not called to preach the gospel, really. We're all called to preach the gospel. Let's look at this verse, 1 Corinthians 1, 18. Preach means to proclaim. There's a difference between those that are given a call and anointed by God to preach and teach the Word of God to believers, but proclamation of the gospel is all of the body of Christ's responsibility. Look at this in Colossians chapter 1 and in verse 18. Look what Paul said. For the message of the cross, that's the gospel. What's the message of the cross? That's the gospel. 1 Corinthians 1.18. 1 Corinthians 1.18. The message of the cross is what? What is it? It is foolishness. But I'm asking you, define for me the message of the cross. You just said it. It's the gospel. If I'm teaching the gospel, what am I talking about? The message of the cross. The message of the cross is good news. Because Jesus, by dying on that cross, fulfilled all that was needed for us to know God. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, tell me what it is. Tell me what it is. Brings power to you. Brings power to you. You'll find the more that you witness and share the gospel, i guarantee you what? The more actual power you'll see rise up within your life. It's one of the ways to stoke your inner fire because now you're obeying God and you're engaging your spirit man to be a witness to others, to share your faith with others. So preaching the gospel is just what you and I should be doing to proclaim to others about what God has done for us. 7C, another thing that helps stoke the flame within you is our testimony. You might want to put out to the side of that my personal confirmation of the Word of God. My personal confirmation of the Word of God. The testimonies we're talking about here is not us coming up and testifying, although that could be a strength as well to you. But it's not what we're talking about. I mean, you know what Romans twelve eleven says We've overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the Word of our testimony. So what we're talking about here is you personally acknowledging and declaring what the blood of Jesus has done for you, what the Word of God says. That's your testimony. My testimony won't, in in context, me speaking in line with the Word of God, won't help build your fire. Your testimony won't help build my fire. But if I testify to the Word of God, I overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. My declaration to the truth. My declaration, my agreement with what Scripture says. That's what he's talking about here about testimonies. Amen? Amen. 7D. Guess what else, of course, clearly will stoke your inner fire? The Word of God. Hebrews 4.12 tells you it is the power, power of God. The Word of God is powerful, Hebrews 4.12, living, powerful, powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. If it's got all this power in it, it will certainly do what? It will certainly help stoke our fire. So the Word of God is critical to us, keeping that inner furnace, that inner flame of our heart on fire for God. 7E, how about meditation on the Word? Let's look at this one. 1 Timothy chapter 4. This is probably, seriously, this is probably one of the things that believers do the least and need to do more as it relates to the Word of God. You're going to see, maybe next Sunday we'll get that far, you're going to see that part of renewing of the mind requires meditation. Now, when you say, well, I don't meditate. Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah, meditate means you just think about something over and over and over again. You think about stuff all day long over and over and over again. Amen? But what about if you put meditation in its proper location, which is the Word of God? See, what meditation is supposed to do is it's supposed to begin to give you a picture. Mm. Yes. That's why God wants us to meditate. Begins to give. If you need a fulfillment of God's promise in your life, what do you do? You go find Scripture, you begin to meditate on that Scripture. Here's why. Because you want to begin to get a picture, that's me. Wow. You want to begin to see that picture. God gave us imagination for a reason. He wants you to begin to picture, imagine, that's me. Because as you do, guess what happens? Hope begins to rise. And now revelation comes from the Word, and faith takes hold of that hope and says, I got it. That's mine. So you and I got to understand the power of meditation as it relates to the Word of God because it helps create a picture within us. First chapter 4, verse 15, watch this. Meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your what? Progress may be evident to what? Let's find out what he said to meditate on. Back up with me if you would here. Verse 13. Till I come, give attention to to reading, exhortation, doctrine, teaching of the word. In doing so, you will not neglect the gift that's in you you'll fan this flame within you. By reading, exhortation, and doctrine, you are not neglecting the gift that's in you. Take this reading, take what you've been given of exhortation, where you've been exhorted in the Word, teaching that you've gotten from the Word, and do what? Meditate on these things. Because as you meditate on the things you're taught, as you meditate on the things that you read in the Word of God about yourself, as you meditate on the things that you've been exhorted about in Scripture... What happens? You begin to give yourselves entirely to them. And as you do, your progress is evident to all. Meaning what? You start seeing change in your life. Including a greater zeal and fire for God. Amen? Amen? So 7E, meditation, not just any, of course. Meditation on the things of God will do what? Help stoke your inner fire. How about this one, 7F? How about maintaining a hunger for the things of God? Anybody remember Matthew 5, 6? Those who thirst and hunger after righteousness shall be what? They'll be filled. They'll be filled. If you stay hungry for that which is right in the sight of God, His Word, the things of God, etc., guess what's going to happen? You're going to get more full of God. You stay hungry for that which is right in the sight of God, and guess what? You're going to get more full of God. Amen? Last one, Romans 8. Let's look at this one in closing. So these are... Some powerful things that you can do to keep that inner fire stoked, your flame hot for God of that inner man. Romans chapter 8. So I can show you these verses and then explain it to you. Romans 8 verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised... Now think about this statement. If the spirit of him, God, who raised Jesus from the dead, what did he do? What did he do? Thank you, Donna. Are all of you in Romans chapter 8 verse 11. If the spirit of him. The Holy Spirit. Who comes from him. God. Who raised Jesus from the. Who was it that raised Jesus from the dead? The Holy Spirit did. Went into heaven. uh, Excuse me. Went into uh, hell itself. And brought Jesus up from hell itself. If the spirit of him. Who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, does he? Does he? Like you really mean it? Then he who raised Christ from the dead will also do what? Give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What do I need to do? I need to yield to that spirit. I need to yield to that spirit. Verse 12, therefore, brethren, we're debtors. We owe a debt, but not to the flesh. To live what? According to the flesh. So if I live according to the flesh, am I going to experience this very Spirit of God working in me? No. Notice for verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, what are you going to do? You're going to walk in the opposite of this life that the Holy Spirit wants to bring alive in you. If you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you live, of course, according to the Spirit, what are you going to do? You're going to put to death the deeds of the body. You're going to what? You're going to live. You're going to walk in this life that He has for you. But notice what I'm doing. I'm living according here to the Spirit, to the Holy Spirit. 14, for as many, and he now describes this, for as many that are, that as are led by the Spirit of God. These are what? Sons of God are those who are, the phrase there, being fathered by God. Being fathered by God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, verse 15, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba Father. 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are what? Children of God. How do we know we're a child of God? Holy Spirit reveals that. Well, you got to yield to the Holy Spirit to get that acknowledgement in your inner man. And He's simply saying, that's the way you're going to learn to yield to this Holy Spirit. You and I need to be more sensitive to, in the day we live in, more sensitive than ever to the leading of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that if you go to do something that obviously God knows is not going to fan your flame? And it's going to obviously lead you down the wrong path. How many know the Holy Spirit's already messing with your spirit to say don't do that? How many of you have ever done something? You, you might be talking to somebody. I can't tell you how many times I've made this mistake. You might be talking to somebody in a conversation. And you're about to say something. And something inside you is saying don't talk about that. And then you do anyway. How um, you many know there's not a fire stoked in you after you do that? Now you feel bad about what you've done. That was the Holy Spirit saying, don't say that. That's right. So you got to realize the more you learn to walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit, what's he going to do? He's a fire himself. Yeah. He's the one that raised Jesus from the dead. He is going to actually become that much greater and more in context to what we need to understand, more aware to you than he's ever been. It's not like he becomes more of something in you. He's all that he's ever been that's living in you now. You just become more aware that he's there. And if you do, that stokes your fire. So number seven, this is what is talked about here in 7G. What will also stoke our inner furnace, our inner flame, active involvement with the Spirit. So how do, we actively involve with our, how do we actively involve ourselves with the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, everything you do in life, as we talk about when you make decisions in life, should be, in some way, try to be founded off the Word of God. Holy Spirit wrote the book. Right? God through him inspired the word. So I shouldn't obviously violate the word. But you know what? You're going to make decisions in life of which there's no verse. There wasn't a verse in scripture that I could find that told Kathy and me, go buy this house. Don't buy that one. There wasn't a verse in scripture. There's not a verse in scripture that tells me if I'm driving down the road today, there's not a verse in scripture that says, all right, it's such and such a day in in 2022, Daryl, don't go down this road today. But the Holy Spirit knows where you should go and shouldn't go. See, when we talk about being actively involved with the Holy Spirit, how much time are we taking to actually sense and listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit? Because the more we do, the more on fire you're going to get for God, because the more you're going to get involved with the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. you got to start listening for Him. And He doesn't, it's not like, what did He say right there? He bears witness. Say bears witness. Bearing witness isn't talking to you. It's not a voice. It's not me like I'm talking to you now saying da-da-da-da-da-da-da. No, it's like if I actually in context being around you kind of acknowledged what you're doing is right in some way and you picked up on that, then you would know, oh, that must be right. Sometimes you parents can do it by a look. (laughs) Correct? If your kids get the look, they kind of know whether this is not right or this is right. Isn't that right? But naturally, we can't look at the Holy Spirit. So what are we doing? We're looking for that inward witness. How do I actively involve myself more with the Holy Spirit? How many days do you actually take time to take, the, take a moment to listen to this inward leading of the Holy Spirit? To recognize, does He really want me to go this way today? I don't mean get all crazy and you know, weird about this stuff, but I'm just telling you something. A lot of people don't realize, well, God didn't protect me. He's tried to. He knows things that could await you of harm that's set up for you that he's trying to get you to avoid. That's why you have the Holy Spirit to lead you. I love what Pastor Barclay has talked about this in relationship to the last days. The Holy Spirit was given to you, the last days believers, by God to navigate the landmines of the last days. Because there's many of them. Satan's got landmines everywhere. Traps, snares, the Bible calls them. But, you know, God knows the way around them. How I many realize if you're about to make a decision with a business, with a job, with your children, with your finances, your money, come on, man, with your life, something you're going to do? Most people actually go about and involve themselves in activities in their life and never even take a moment to think, does God want me to do this? Right. True. I've done it in ministry. I've done things in ministry just because it involved ministry. Right. And I wanted to help people, I wanted to find a way to help them. I built a lot of websites for a lot of ministries, and then I got caught up having to try to take care of all these websites, in which I told them I couldn't do that, but of course they're calling me all the time because they don't know how to change them. So I'm having to spend all this time trying to keep up with their websites. Now I'm frustrated. This was years ago, not anymore. I'm frustrated. I'm like, Lord, I'm so frustrated, man. I just don't have time to do all that I need to do. And he said, do you know why? Well, no. Why? Why? Because I never told you to build all those websites. You never never even looked to me. You never even found out, do I have a witness that God wants me to do that? No. The moment you actually heard anybody, I mean, it would happen over and over again when we would go to a meeting, like like, context, Dr. Barclay's, you know, straight talk or one of his conferences, and we'd be sitting around, you know, at a dinner with other ministers talking and discussing ministry things, and all of a sudden somebody would say, man, our website stinks. It's horrible. The guy that built it, we can't find him anymore. He's gone. We have no idea how to get into it. And I would... And Kathy could tell you, I, you know, because you can see them on the phone. I'd say, give me your web address. i type it in look at it say, whoa, I'd be embarrassed to show that as my website. So you know what would come out of my mouth? I'll build you one. Right. And lo and behold, I started building websites for all these pastors, all these ministers. Well, they're not going to say, oh, no, pastor. No, don't build me one. Right. You kidding? Oh, okay, great. Praise the Lord. Can you build us one? Yeah. You want to look at mine before I build yours? Look at mine. I take care of ours. Look at mine, and that'll tell you whether you'd want me to build yours or not. They'd see our website. Oh, yeah, please build me a website. But see, I never took time. You listening? I'm on your last point. I mean, I want to be on fire for God. You got to take time to actually activate the Holy Spirit in your life. He's a perfect gentleman. You know what the Holy Spirit does in your life? That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what He's doing right now. That's what He's doing every day. He's just sitting there waiting on you. He's a perfect gentleman. He is waiting on you, and what he's waiting on you for is for you to acknowledge him to find out, do you really want to do this or not? Or oh, excuse me, does God really want me to do this or not? Should I do this or not? If you don't say anything, most of the time, you're not even going to recognize he's there because you're not even acknowledging he's in the room. You listening? When all of a sudden you realize he wasn't made to sit down in my life, he was sitting here as a helper. He's here to help me. How many of you think the Holy Spirit's pretty bored with a lot of Christians? Yeah, because they're not even in any way, shape, or form looking to Him for help. But we should be. That's right. And how about your daily life? Just basic things of daily life, what you go through. You might think it's crazy, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you start following the leading of the Holy Spirit in the small things, it ain't going to be hard to figure out how to follow them in the big things. Amen. The problem is we all wait till the big thing comes. Right. 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 Now we're crying out to God, Oh, God, I need help, I need direction. If you'd been learning to listen to Him in the smaller things to have the witness within you, Amen. you wouldn't have had a hard time when the big things came. So what does the witness of the Holy Spirit do with your spirit? I'm going to close with this. What does he do? One of two things. He brings an absolute, I hate to say it because we kind of get this thought of what we think peace is, but the Bible refers to it this way in the John, in the Gospel of John. He brings an absolute peace, a knowing. It's just like this inner, oh yeah, this is right type. I, I, You've got to be careful with this, but it's your spirit knowing this is right. There's, there's no out-of-place uh, out of, out of place feeling here, I, and I say feeling, I want to be careful with that because we're talking about what you sense in your spirit, not a feeling in your flesh. But it's a peace. It's an absolute calm. It's an absolute knowing. But the other way he actually deals with you is with an agitation. And Jesus talked about this. So Jesus said, guess what? I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And right after he said that, he said, my peace I give to you. My peace I live with you. Uh, let not your heart be troubled nor afraid. So he just gave you the both, both sides of the Holy Spirit, how he works. I'm giving you peace. Let not your heart be afraid. So afraid there, actually, if you look it up, means timid or agitated. Remember the old agitators in the old center? I mean, most of them don't have them anymore. Anybody has got a washer that's got the agitator to center? So, you know, it's like that agitator, right? stirring things up. Well, guess what? The Holy Spirit's trying to stir up within your spirit. This ain't right when you're going the wrong direction. And Jesus said, don't let your heart be that way. Meaning what? Don't go that way. That is still the Holy Spirit speaking to you. I have a question for you. Since you've been a believer, have you ever sinned? Raise your hand if you've ever sinned. Everybody? Okay. When you sin, what would you sense on the inside? A good feeling? Ooh, feels good. No, what do you feel? Agitated. See, when people say, I don't know how to hear the Holy Spirit, sure you do. You're just not given time to Listen. But start dealing with this every day. Holy Spirit, you're my helper. I'm yielding to you today. Thank God you're there to bear witness with me and everything I do. Because guess what? If I go to hire somebody for a job, see, I've been bad about this as well. Even with stuff we've had done here at the church. I'm having to have a part of a fence redone because of a guy I hired that I didn't pray about. I still can do it. You can do it too. You know, I went by reviews and it looked good, da 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 da. And lo and behold, I mean, I don't know if you've seen this gate out of here that he this gate out here that he came to fix. He swears up and down it's level. You kidding me? Have you looked at it? It's level. No, it ain't level, man. I'll put a level on to prove it to you. Are you listening? But yes. well, guess what? We could have avoided all that hassle. I could have avoided all that hassle had I prayed about. It. Is that the right contractor? Come on, somebody. How many know not deal with contractors today? You better make sure you got the right contractor. Because a lot of people understand even contractors have a difficulty trying to find people that will actually work for them and do what they need them to do. Very difficult. So you got to know by the Holy Spirit, God already knows whether that's the right person or not. Come on, somebody. God, these, God wants to work in every aspect of your life. And the more you engage the Holy Spirit like this, guess what you're going to do? You're going to fan that flame. Because you are connecting with your spirit through the Holy Spirit and that's going to ignite your spirit to become even hotter for God. Better amen than that. So we can stay on fire for God and we should. All we got to do is simply walk this out and you and I will truly walk in a fire that God wants us to walk in that'll cleanse us, empower us, to help us, to help free us from things that God doesn't want in our life. If we stay hot for God, it's going to be really hard for Satan to get a grip on your life.
0: We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.